Hey trail runners, welcome to episode 24 of the Trail Runners Experience. I can't believe it, two dozen episodes already, incredible. Thank you for everyone that's been listening for these first 24 or 23 episodes. Happy New Year to everyone, I hope you had a great time and over Christmas and got to eat lots of delicious food and maybe did some running. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Salomon athlete, steeplechaser, mountain runner and medical student, Simone Brick. Now, Simone hasn't been running for long, but she certainly made a huge splash in the trail and mountain running scene very quickly. Uh, she's won numerous races, including the Australian Mountain Running Championships and last weekend's Two Bays Trail Run, just to name a few. So uh, she brings some great insight to running and mental health. So uh, hopefully you can get something out of this episode. I know that I will. Um, sit back and enjoy this episode with The Flying Brick and yours truly, Daniel Ferrugia. Welcome to episode 24 of the Trail Runners Experience. Welcome to 2019, the first episode of the new year. I hope everyone had a nice break. And I'm sitting here, well, not, not literally, but I'm here with Simone Brick, who has joined me all the way from Melbourne via Messenger and fresh off her victory at the Two Bays 28K. Welcome, Simone. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. No worries. So, congratulations on your your victory um, at the two bays. Two bays, twenty eight k, wasn't it? Yeah, the twenty eight k. Yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant event that one. Yeah, right. Is it your first time? Doing that, yeah. yeah. Doing the two bays, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And I was looking at your Strava of that, and it looked um, pretty impressive. You uh, you did it in two hours and eight minutes. And um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, that sounds fairly quick. For I'm not sure. I don't know anything about the two bays before. <laughs> um, about maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the race and how. And then um, then we'll go in a bit deeper to the other stuff as, as well. But yeah, so tell tell us about two bays very quickly. Um, yeah. So it's the uh, there's two options. There's the 28 and the 56, which I think is similar to Eurobilla, which is near you. There's the 56 at Eurobilla. Yep. Um, and I, yeah, I'm shorter distance. This is actually the longest race I've done since 2016. So I'm, it's, it was a bit longer than I um, have previously been preparing for. And um, yeah, so it starts, the hard part about it typically is the fact that it starts with the biggest climb and downhill um, in the first 7K. And then the kind of, you've got a half marathon after that that's rolling trails. Right. Um, so, yeah, my plan, I kind of, I was all prepared and felt pretty good about just going for it from the gun and trying to, because being from the mountain running background, uh, well, mountain running last year, not background, but um, doing mountain running more recently, I was pretty confident on the hill and um, then the, yeah, in the downhill and um, got to where I kind of wanted to be at 7K and was happy with that, but from there, um, yeah, I kind of learnt a lot along the way of mental battles, of pushing from the front and what that takes. And it was, my time goal kind of went out the window by the time I hit 
halfway, but from there it was kind of enjoy the run and hold on to the lead I had from the start. So Oh wow, so you led all the way. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I kind of took off fairly happily up the hill. I love big, big steady climbs. I like, I don't know why, but I love them. I can get on them and just push away at the, to the top and the downhill especially, I love that. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of, the first 7K were my wheelhouse and then yeah. the half marathon afterwards, I wasn't quite, I didn't have that much, well, I thought I kind of had confidence going in, but then as soon as it got to, got to the race, it was kind of, I wasn't sure if I actually had the legs <laughs> to uh, actually go the distance at the speed I wanted. So it was you, all a bit. Did you fry yourself in the first 7Ks? Are you worried? Um, I felt fine at 7K. I was actually surprised at how good I felt there. Um, but I suppose you always get to a point in a race and the questions, my mind is very good at throwing questions at me of, are you sure? Can you do this? Like, mm. yeah, just the second guessing and the, I usually bring a lot of confidence in from training really hard. And um, this is the first time I've been training over sort of the holiday period. And so I was trying to get the training in and still relax for the holidays. And so I didn't, I don't know, it all felt a little bit weird, to yeah. be honest. Um, and I suppose having that much of a gap at the front um, after the first 7 to 10K, um, it gives you that excuse of going, well, if you just hold a pace that the people behind you even are running and don't run faster, you've still got the gap. Yeah. Um, so it takes away a bit of that motivation to really push and make it hurt because you're like, well, why am I hurting? That's um, that's so funny. I I know that feeling. I mean, I've I don't often lead races, but when I have actually led races in the past, I you know I don't you know I don't often win, but like but like that feeling of being out in front, it can be a, a, a terrifying feeling sometimes, can't it? Like oh, just... so terrifying, and you kind of you almost I I tried to prepare for it and go no, you're pushing, you're pushing, you want to gun get a really like clock a good time, and of course. My, my legs, they, I don't know, they, you, I went to internal. So I was by myself for a solid 9Ks in the middle there. And um, I know that focusing on the internal doesn't usually get the best results because you're too focused on, oh, that hurt, that hurt, or this is feeling off, um, yeah. rather than just run. And because I was on my own and in the front, it was kind of, yeah, I had a lot of battles with myself out there, to be honest. Oh, and wow. Well, you clearly won them. You won the battles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I kept pushing. I kept. Pu I kept. I kept going. And the last five k were always going <laughs> to pretty much feel horrible. But um, yeah, I got there in the end. And by the, by the time there was two k's to go, I was like, oh, just get me to the finish line now. I'm done. It's funny. Um, it's funny after running all that distance, how even the last two kilometers can suddenly feel really far. You know, <laughs> it's like. Oh, can they ever? Yeah, I often will break a race down into. To meters when I think, oh, it's 2,000 meters or it's it's 1,500 meters to go, you know, and I and then I break it down into how long would that take me to in time, you know, and then it's only a few more minutes of pain, <laughs> but um. Yeah, see, I didn't I didn't actually find myself doing that. I was I was probably more in the moment at the end than anywhere else because I went into self-preservation mode so early. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I felt like. There was a lot of people going, oh, you can win this, you can win this. And so once I was out in front, I felt like I went very easily into self-preservation and going, oh, oh, you got to hold this. Yeah. Um, and then so the last, I actually both was like, get me to the finish line, but was most in the moment in the last 2K of going, 
and up and down and up and down because it's pretty um it's just undulating at the end there yeah um it's so interesting too like the um what you were just saying about like the um it's i lost my train of thought but no basically like you're you're out in front and you're, and you're thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, I always have this feeling that, oh, the people just behind, who are in second and third or who are just behind me, they're saving themselves. They're saving themselves. You know, I always think that they've, they've got something that I, that I haven't got, you know, even though I'm in, yeah. if I'm in front of them, I think. And that's that, I get that doubt sometimes. It's like, oh, they're, they're holding back till later in the race or something and they're going to come and fly past me in the last few kilometres. But... Yeah. Obviously, if they were going to, they would have done it already. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of yeah. I was because I was I was getting splits on how far back people were up until about thirteen k. Yeah. Um, and because I sort of I'm kicking I I always kick myself afterwards for doing it, going into the self preservation in a way and like yeah. pushing, but at the same time not entering like as hard as I know I can, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, so because of that, because I knew the gap and I knew um, how I was feeling, um, I was almost, in a way, hoping someone would come up behind me or even a guy or someone would come up and, like, at least push me that little bit harder. Um, it, like a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you were in basically... Yeah, so much better no having people all around. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. So you were in no man's land, so to speak, where you, like, you had no one around you. Yeah, from from um, about thirteen and a half k until twenty one, I didn't see a single soul. Oh, <laughs> um, that's hard. So yeah, yeah. So I got to I think at about twenty and a half, I saw a, a guy up ahead, so I chased him down and got ahead of him, and then in the end, I didn't see someone again until about the twenty five k mark. Other than we finally, because there was no people with aid stations in that middle section, oh, so okay. I, thankfully with with five k to go, there's a big aid station you run through, so that's always fun. Um, but yeah, it was just that middle section. It was just, I had no reference. It was very weird feeling and a great lesson to learn. Um, yeah. But yeah, very weird feeling of having no reference of exactly how fast I was moving compared to other people or anything like that. It sounds like you had basically like an, a proper ultra runner's experience, but without running an actual ultra, you know? <laughs> You know, that's, that's such a weird, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but quite often in an ultra, people spend a like, significant amount of time by themselves, you know, like it can happen, especially on these long trail ultras, you know, 100Ks or whatever. Um, I know I've, I've experienced, and dealing with that being, like, battling along on your own is, is such an ultra experience. So, I don't know, you, you haven't, you know... I've, I haven't actually done an ultra, so I wouldn't actually know, to be fair. I've done a number of trails that, I've done a few different trail runs that take you a while, and I was out on mm. my own for a couple of them, but I've never been pushing hard at one that I was on my own for a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're building, you're, I think from one, a previous conversation I had with you, you said you're building up to your ultra, and you're doing it the right way, doing it sensibly. Yeah, so obviously, like, I have great big dreams of running all of these amazing ultra races, but I'm... Uh, yeah, definitely taking my time to get there because I haven't been running that long in the scheme of things. Um, so more than happy at the moment sticking to what the short, sharp and fast. Um, so the Some people would say 28 Ks is not particularly short. <laughs> yeah, but that will be that'll probably be my limit for this year. Um, right. 
from by the looks of my calendar. And um, now, like right now, um, after the after two bays, my focus now is the track. So yes. three Ks. Three Ks. That's right. You're you're a, um, a master of a few disciplines, aren't you? You're a mountain runner, trail runner, and steeplechaser. Yes. Yeah. That's where you get your leg speed from, clearly. <laughs> well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to develop, I suppose, because, and everyone that I speak to agrees with me that it seems to, that you you develop the speed and then you carry that through with you to the endurance. Because yes, I I I can look at the big long runs and have a like I know that I can train me right and I'll go the distance, sort of thing. Um, but I look at some of the speed workouts or the speed races and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I really don't know I can do that. Yeah. It's funny. I get more nervous before a short, a really short race than I do before a really long race. Oh, you know? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I can be standing on the start line of a big long race, uh, what, what my standard of a big long race is at the moment, which is anything half marathon or roundabouts and be going, yeah, okay, this is cool. This is distance. This is where I'm comfortable. But put me on the start line of... A 3K or a, God forbid, a oh. 1500, which I do a couple of um, in a sort of training races kind of thing, then I'm like cacking myself. They're scary as all hell. It's so scary. And because I think with those ones, you basically you drop straight into the, um, to the pain, you know. You're, you're, going, you're going straight um, within seconds. You're sort of almost redlining. I don't know I am anyway, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you go in your redline speed and it doesn't take long to get to the pain cave and yeah. obviously being on the track, everyone sees if you bonk. I know. You've got to keep yeah. it together. <laughs> yeah. So hard. Um, no, it's amazing. So, yeah, so um, you're, you're a track runner and so you're competing in the, um, are you competing at the moment with your, with the, obviously it's a track season, so being summer um yeah so i've got a couple the main aim will be the state championships at victoria which are for now they're the start of march so i'll have a couple of um races i've got one my first steeple coming back into the season in two weeks i think another one a week after that um to get some practice in and then yeah the main aim will be um state champs the start of march and then nationals are in sydney at the end of march Right. So kind of from now until the end of March, I'll be all trying to get my speed going. What's um, what are you what are you hoping to achieve with um with the steeplechase at the moment? Obviously, you get to nationals, and um, what what, like, is there anything? To be on, honest, yeah. Just per, just pers just personal challenge and growth because they are scary to me and they are hard and they're something that isn't what I would typically, it's not something I'd seek out to do, but I suppose I've learned um, along the path that, that doing the hard thing is often the most valuable. Um, so it teaches me a lot trying to train for it. I do love the feeling of being on the track. Um, I'm kind of, in the back of my mind, I kind of think, mm, this is never where I'm gonna like be at my the best of my potential, if that makes sense. Like, it's not something that comes naturally to me and it's not something I can see myself being this great athlete in the steeplechase. But it is something that gives me that um, race experience. It gives me the experience of being vulnerable in a way that I don't um, feel on the trails or the longer distance stuff. Um, so it's all really, what I hope to get out of it is just a lot of personal growth and developing um, myself into a better runner and racer overall interesting um 
when you say vulnerable, how do you mean? Do you mean because the way people can, the fact that you're you're fully under the microscope the whole time, like people can see you, or in a, a vulnerable in a different way? Um, yeah, probably um, people can see, but in, and you out there on your own sort of thing. But also, I suppose being the steeple, um, there's always that fear of falling. But steeple, the one of the reasons I love it is because the more you commit to it. Um, the more chance you've got of running a clear round and of you can't you can't be anything but in the moment um, and it there's a lot of different tactics and holding your form and it's just a different world to learn but it's still running and it's still developing um, and I suppose the vulnerability comes from just knowing that I'm probably not the greatest but I'm trying to be my greatest at it that's a, a, a really great quote actually I, I... Trying to be your greatest. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can hope to do as runners, or as people even. But, um, so yeah, I really, yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, but you say, I mean, you're not the greatest, but obviously if nationals are on the, um, on the cards for you, you're clearly not, not a terrible runner <laughs> at, at, um, at Yeah, Coast. I suppose I, I'm proficient. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm a keen learner, so... I suppose when Coach chucked the steeplechase at me and I, um, I'm, I'm all for trying new things and having a crack, so mm. having a crack, but I spent many, many a time setting up hurdles in my backyard and doing all these fan-dangled stretches and all sorts of things just to try and really have a go. Um, and I suppose if you're really putting time and effort in, you're going to get better. Um, and so for me, the challenge was that the challenge is that steeplechase it's not the hardest thing to qualify for nationals for but i i could have gone to nationals last year but i don't want to go and be like a just in um so i'm trying to go for my best time and be semi-competitive because obviously there's the quality of athlete that's up the front that i kind of i look at them in absolute awe of what they can do um, and I'm just constantly chasing and trying to get as close as I possibly can. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm not by no means a um, top quality steeple chaser when it comes to, you can chuck me in a race with the at nationals or something like that and I'd be just fighting to keep it, the gap yeah. <laughs> um, to the front runners as small as possible. Um, but there's a lot of value in that and it's humbling as well. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean... I don't usually ask people about like specific times because I know we're all, but I'm, I am interested about, um, because I mean, we're in the year, it's 2019 and I know a lot of people start thinking about this big event that's happening in Tokyo next year. Um, <laughs> oh, if, gosh, if, no. if that's something that's even on your radar. Or... Not at all, no, <laughs> especially not in the steeplechase. So my, my PB in the steeplechase at the moment is 10.58. For 3,000? Yep. Pardon? 3,000 metre steeplechase, yep. 3,000 metre steeplechase. So my PB yep. is 10.58, which got me fourth at Vic States last year. Um, so it's it's like, it's a respectable time, but when you look at the likes of Jen Lacars and Vic Mitchell running like 920s or 930s, it's it's not, it's almost being lapped by them. Yeah. So, oh no, it is being lapped by them. But that's much. their, that's their speciality, isn't it? Like that's what they're, yeah. they're, they're honing, they're honing on just that. They're, you put them on a hill and a, and a 28k trail, ultra, a trail, trail run, you know, they'll, 
you would have their measure most likely, you know. <laughs> you well, I, I would be trying. I would yeah. definitely be trying. For me, it seems that the hillier a course is, the more it evens out the playing field for me a little bit. That's good. Um, yeah, it is. It's about you got to play to your um to your strengths, as you say. Um, find what's yeah. in, uh, find what's in your wheelhouse. Um, just as an idea, so I mean, there's some I've done steeplechase back when I was when I was growing up doing uh, doing athletics and um. You know, and I'm I'm little. I'm a pretty short guy. Always have been the, like one of the shortest guys in my class growing up. So, but I, and I I go on the track. I'm I'm not fast over short distance, and you know the longer the race has got, the better I seem to do. Um, yeah. And so, um, but like um, steeplechase, I enjoyed it, but hard because my legs are so short. I practically had to get like you know, some, some ropes to climb up the damn thing, you know, and like do <laughs> yeah. some rock climbing. Oh, to get the over. guys don't have it easy with how high the hurdle is. Yeah. How high are, are they for you? Like how many? Uh, the barriers for us are 76.2 centimetres or something. I don't know how they come up with it. Yeah. But yeah, for us, they're 76.2 and for you, they're 91.4. So yeah, basically almost as tall as me. <laughs> I'm not that short. Um, no, but I was just going to say, like, how much time do you think you lose? I mean, you'd probably be able to tell me, but like, uh, like between doing a flat three thousand meters versus a, a three thousand meter steeplechase, like, what's the, do you lose um, a lot of time? Yes, you definitely lose time. I think when I ran the ten fifty eight, my I hadn't done many flat 3Ks at all. I think my PB for a flat 3K was about probably 10.28 um, or 10.30, somewhere around there. Um, okay. So you're always going to – but that was – I've maybe done one. Um, and, to pref yeah, so you're always going to lose time. Um, like, I suppose the better people to probably look at are the elite athletes doing it, that, um, like the top of the field that I think – there, it's probably about 30 seconds difference between their steeple and their, which is about one second a barrier, I suppose, because yeah. there's 28 jumps in a whole steeple. So. Yeah, interesting. Um, no, and I imagine also too, it's more taxing as well because you're. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the <laughs> you want to feel like you're in the last 10 k's of a <laughs> long, long road race very quickly. Run a steeple once you've done two and a half k and jumped 25 barriers or something that the last water jump <laughs> your legs are cooked i can actually see um from i'm thinking about just like the range of motion that you would go through it's very similar to basically i can see how it'd be beneficial for climbing up very steep hills you know because you're having to really be a bit explosive over those steep over those barriers and also you have to really lift your knees up and everything up to get up and so you're really changing your your whole I'm just thinking purely from a mechanical point of view. It's um yeah, I can see the benefits of it. So I think your so your coach suggested you do steeplechase. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. So because I haven't been, I've been coached now for two years by Tim Crosby, and he um yeah, well, I suppose we were both on sort of on a journey to find out what I can do in different disciplines and where my where my best where I'm best suited towards and. Um, I suppose I was very, back when I started running and I wasn't coached by anyone, I was very similar in mindset of going, oh, I can't go fast on the short stuff, but the longer it goes, the better I get. Um, and so it was always a challenge for me to, like, 
flip that, try and flip that. And I'm still trying to flip that. And it has a little bit just through the confidence of doing a lot of track sessions and doing a lot of track races of going, hang on, I'm hitting times that I couldn't think I had in me. Like, um, so it has, it's like, it's doing it all has changed my mindset a little bit of going, Oh, hang on. If you commit yourself, maybe you're in things you are telling yourself you're not as good at. You got a bit more there than you ever thought. Um, so that's yeah, the steeple and all the track racing for me is kind of a confidence builder in a way. Of even though I'm not top of the fields and more more often than not, then it's uh, it's still just confidence to go. Hang on, that time was <laughs> faster than I thought I could do. Yeah, right. Um, that's interesting. I mean, and you're as you say, you're pretty new as a runner, aren't you? And so you're. Um, I mean, clearly you've got a lot of growth to do in the sport, which is really exciting. And like if you've um. So how long have you been running exactly? Um, well, I did my first, I, the first thing I ever trained for really was a marathon. Um, <laughs> I was the, in a way, I was re- yeah, recovering from a lot of different mental battles that I'd had going on in, from about 2012, 2011, 2012, up until 2015. Um, and as part of that process, um, of recovering from my eating disorder that I had a severe eating disorder in 2013 and 14 right. um, I sort of set myself the challenge of going I needed some more self-belief and I needed a something to focus on um, and so set myself the challenge of hey let's what's the hardest thing I could ever imagine doing <laughs> um, because growing up I was a um give me a ball sport give me any soccer basketball softball like chuck a ball in my hand and I'd run off happy and I'd be loving life um but I would look at anyone that ran anything more than a kilometer or anything more than 100 meters really and I was like nah okay I can't do that wow um so I kind of flipped my mindset and went what is the hardest thing I have ever seen anyone do and to me that was a marathon um so I was like okay <laughs> let's tackle that one straight um, into it that's great yeah yeah so I got straight into that in 2015 um and that was that changed a lot for me um and then 2016 like so November 2015 I ran a marathon great. um then again October 2016 um I ran another marathon and I did other sort of events along the way but they were all training towards just that one thing yeah um, and to be fair, <laughs> had I not been, I met Tim, uh, so that was October, I met Tim maybe late November 2016, yeah. um, after the Steve Hoare, who's another coach in the area, had put me onto Tim after I ran a reasonable race at a Melbourne Marathon and well out of what I, well faster than I should have, um, <laughs> if you looked at my training and what I was trying to do, but I ran a very mental race in a way, um, and then met Tim, and I was all ready to jump into the ultra scene at that point. Yes. I was looking at different ultras. I was looking at roller coaster run, and I was trying to sign up for all these little mountain things. Um, and uh, yeah, then I pretty much Tim was like, "I'll coach you, but I'm coaching you for short distance cross country, and we'll chuck you in a 5k or something like that." And I was like, "Oh crap, <laughs> what?" <laughs> um, so what? since then, it's just been. I'm, I've learned from a young age the value of coaching and how to be coached. And so I was like, okay, well, you know a lot more than I do, so let's trust this process and try new things. That's brilliant. 
um, that's uh, pretty amazing that he, you actually were mature enough to listen to the coach. I mean, uh, and like actually take his sort of advice on, on changing the, the, the path of your, you know, because you could have gone down the ultra path, but I mean, you're young and you've got plenty of time. Is that his theory? That you sort of, you've got... Oh, that was always his theory. He, I think Tim, Tim's brilliant because he's had, um, he's got so much knowledge and he's seen so many different people take so many different paths. And so he had so many examples of this is what you can do and this is where it might lead and this is what you can do and this is where it might lead and this is what I've seen actually works the best to get people to where they want to be and obviously he had the example of like his coach Kirsten Bull and I was could then when I joined the Crosby crew go for runs with Kirsten and see that her path was a very long path of eight to ten years before she became world champion at the 100 kilometers and I was like whoa hang on like okay I can see the value in process because I'd been through the entire very slow process of recovering from anorexia and recovering from depression and all these different things. And they are, they're very slow torturous processes, but the slower you go, um, the more long lasting it is. And so I learned that lesson through there. And I just then was like, okay, apply that to running. And this is a 10 year plan. This is a 15 year plan. Cause I also knew that endurance wise, especially like, you hit your peak, because I love science and I study science, you hit your peak a lot older yes. um, than you than I am. <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah, I'm not going to reach my potential now, so what's the hurry? Yes. Wow. That's very wise. I, um, I was going to ask you, you've just answered about three questions before I even had a chance to ask them, so that's, that's fabulous. <laughs> um, so... Um, no, can we, we'll just backtrack a little bit. So, yeah, you've mentioned about your eating disorder and um, I know that through your, your Instagram you are quite public about about your experience of dealing with that and dealing with um, your mental health battle. And um, I think that it probably takes a fair bit of courage to be pu so public about it. And can you tell us sort of why you, you decided to be so public about it and with your on Instagram and, and things like that? Um, I suppose it became, because when, even the whole time I was recovering um, from all sorts of different things, so it was kind of first the depressive state that went into an anxiety with growing up from the time I was 14 and then I was very silent about it then, hid it from everyone and it kind of just bubbled away underneath everything and didn't get me anywhere. But I suppose I've also always been very, I'll sit and contemplate things, um, very introverted, which people never quite believe when they see my Instagram. But um, I sit and I watch and I observe and I've always done that. And I used to observe, I'm like, okay, keeping it to myself wasn't getting me anywhere. Um, and then eventually that culminated in the eating disorder. And then throughout my recovery, I met so many beautiful people that were fighting so hard. Um, and then they, but I made the connection that a lot of the time they were putting barriers in their own way by not reaching out and by not talking to people. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, from that learned that, okay, the more I talk to my family, the better my relationship is with my family. The more I talk to my friends, the more at ease they are around me and feeling like they can help me because I can tell them ways to help. And then slowly that became more and more, I 
give advice to other people just in my in my little circles and stuff. Um, and it when I because I it became very public because I was so sick. So there wasn't much I could do about it at the time. Um, but it amazed me the fact that when it became more public in my area, um, I got so much support and none of the none of the negatives came from it that my mind had convinced me would of people would talk down to me or people would think weird things of me and that sort of thing. Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I got, I got a lot of support. And then uh, the biggest thing was that after recovering um, the in, cause essentially I recovered from my eating disorder, but there was a lot of stuff still going on. I still really wasn't well. And I developed dissociative disorder and psychosis. Psychosis wow. was the hardest thing to tell people about because if I tell people exactly what went down in those couple of months there, um, or it was about six months in the end, it's, it's hard for myself to fathom. It's hard for myself to believe like walking down the street and seeing the little dandelions that float in the wind. And in my mind, they were all cameras and they were all watching me or the idea that I was silent for so long because in my mind, everyone could hear what I was thinking. But so I didn't need to talk because they could hear my thoughts and they were implanting them. And it's just those sorts of things that when you tell someone that in the yeah. moment, they're like, well, hang on, I don't know how to deal with this. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So I couldn't blame anyone for doing that. Um, but then I found after the fact, I really wanted to change people's ideas of what going through that is. And the fact that I saw so many people when I was in hospital and I was in high dependency units and I was in lockdown and I had nothing and I was with other people that were schizophrenic, that were psychotic and coming through it myself, I then wanted to prove because a lot of them were going, oh, I'm hopeless. Like, I can't, I can't recover because everyone was telling them, oh, well, you're kind of, you're gone. And I had psychiatrists tell me, like, you're never going to, you're going to be institutionalized and you're going to rely on the system for the rest of your life. Um, and when I finally, I'm a bit of a stubborn person when it comes to chuck me a challenge and tell me I can't do it. Uh, I would do everything I can to prove I can. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And then coming through that, I almost felt... An, not an obligation, but also, a, but more a want to prove to other people that that everyone going through this right now, that's in those dark places, that's doing those weird things that they don't understand. You don't need to understand it, but you don't. But that doesn't mean that they can't recover. Um, I wanted to become something that someone that gave us an example to say that you can come be in that place. You can be the person that the whole world's writing off or the whole world doesn't understand. Uh, or feels like at least, but then come through it because um, there's not many paths through it. And I was lucky to have the support that I needed to get there, but not many people do because of the way people view it. Yes, I, I, that's amazing. Um, so you've had a real you've had a real battle, and you've you've obviously been through a lot of stuff with um with all of that, and um and yeah, even even you talking about it now obviously takes a lot of it's to me from my perspective you know it, it seems it, it seems like it's it, it's very brave of you do you find the actual process of talking about it and telling sharing it does that actually help as well like not just or does it help yourself as opposed to just help also helping other um, people 
the feedback I get helps. So it can be like I can be talking to you now and I'll be doing all this and then maybe later tonight I'll be I'll start second guessing and going, Oh, hang on, like was it good to say that? And that's no and I know that that's normal and that's fine. And then I get the feedback of going, you speaking up about this, like people messaging. I get a lot of personal messages from people that really make my day and really make it feel myself feel a lot more worthwhile and have a bit more of a purpose of going, by you talking about this, it helped me tell tell even just one other person. or it, Because that's the thing, it's when there's so much secrecy, like you're only as sick as your secrets mm. is a lot of the what a lot of people say when it comes to eating disorders or it comes to depression. Like if you're keeping it a secret, it's you can't get any help for that. You've, you've, you're relying on yourself a lot and it's we can't all always rely on ourselves, to be honest. Like it's you're, you warp your own view um, and it's hard to admit that sometimes. And it's hard to admit, hang on, no, I can't do this on my own. Um, but I suppose I was humble in the, in the biggest way possible of, having every single right taken away from me and it wasn't until I reached that low place of having absolutely no right to anything I did or said or ate or I could say things but anything I did or ate or what time I went to bed or what time I did anything um it took until that point to admit oh hang on maybe I can't do it on my own um and that I think that's part of the people feel a lot of shame in not being able to sort their sort their own stuff out um, or their own issues out on their own. But yeah. to, to be honest, there's no shame in that. Everyone needs everyone else. That's so um, true. I often, t- I mean, mental health is such a huge um, thing in in so many people I know. Most, I mean, I've had battles with anxiety myself and, and my wife and I, my wife also has suffered from depression for much of her life. And, you know, like through, and it's sort of, the stigma that's still attached to all types of mental health has always been really frustrating. Um, and I think, I guess by conversations like this and someone like yourself talking about it, getting it out there and just make, and just sort of normalizing, like... Yeah, ne- that, like the conversations mm. should be normal because yeah. uh, the, no, that was the other thing when... It's like a broken leg, you, really. You need, yeah, you need people to talk about it in a way and to be completely open with how bad it gets and because there's all the misconceptions of why people self-harm, why people do these things, and why people um, say the things they do or um, act in certain ways or what depression feels like. Because if someone hasn't been there, you can't expect them to know, but you can. There are ways, if you talk and communicate openly, to still get them on a much more level ground than, or much more big, better understanding than if you were like, oh, it's it's this or it like it's just the what the um diagnosis says or what the books say and that sort of thing like personal experience and giving people personal experience gives them a lot more insight in understanding um which is where a lot of the stigma comes from it's a lot of fear-based stuff of i don't understand it so yeah it's like what what do i do and how do i help and okay let's just block it off instead yeah it, there's a i think there's a tendency for people to think that they're it's, it's weak, just weakness if you've got ment- a mental illness, you know? And, I mean, that's a part of... I, I don't know if you've ever had that... Ex- people put that experience uh, on you? A hundred percent. I used to think... That's that's why I hid it for so long um, and I tried to hide it from everyone thinking I'm just this weak person that can't, can't figure out my own brain. But to be honest, there's 
all the best professors in the world can't figure out the brain. Mm. Um, but I suppose one thing that really helps me with that is um, there's, there's certain experiences that once I recovered, and because depression, it always comes and goes. It always, in my experience, it's, it's come and gone, it's come and gone, and recognising when it's coming back and how to battle it again. Um, but the first time it came back, like, really sharply, um, it was literally like I... It was the first time I noticed that, hang on, no, this isn't me being weak. This is something really wrong. Because I'd be... Go, I could go on all sorts of different experiences and have things and feel nothing. Um, and, like, the whole idea of... And in my mind, I turned my scientific mind on and went, hang on, OK, that should have evoked a feeling of fear. Um, standing on something really high. I went skydiving at one point um, when I my, knew my depression was sort of, I could feel, just felt off. And I jumped out of the plane, got to the ground and literally like my facial expression, I had no fear, nothing, felt yeah. no need to change it. And I got to the ground and I would have had the same reaction whether someone had just given me a hug or someone had just told me someone had died. So you disconnected. And I was the whole, the whole way down in the flight, in the free fall. So no adrenaline rush? No... None at all. Yeah. I got to the ground and I was like, yeah, okay, that was about the same as getting a hug. That's such like, a... that was nothing. It's such a really good, a good description of what depression feels like. I think a lot of people don't actually understand it. They think it's just being sad. But it's not that, is it? Yeah. It's, oh, it's and I wasn't sad at all at the time. Mm. My life was brilliant, and I was like, yeah. that just didn't evoke any feeling in me whatsoever. Yeah. Like I didn't get the racing heart. I didn't get the crazy thoughts. And I didn't like I because I was on my own. I wasn't doing tandem or anything. I was on my own. I was literally in the air, going, "Oh, this is not right." Like I'm falling to the ground at like 200 kilometers an hour, and my heart just feels normal, my brain's not rushing, like, and just looking out at the view and going, yeah, whatever, it's another day. Um, and so you, uh, I spoke to you just before we started uh, recording, you mentioned that you went skydiving yesterday as a bit of yes. a celebration. <laughs> did you get that feeling, did you get a good feeling yesterday? Did you get the adrenaline? I did, I did, to be honest. Um, I'm in a bit of a, like, at the moment, my mind's a bit all over the place, and so I did, but it was still wasn't not not what it should be um at the moment um right so i w i loved it and i enjoyed it and i but i was too aware of everything going on in my surroundings to fully enjoy it as much as i know i should be able to oh, wow. um so in like in all honesty at the moment i literally like i just got back from a mental health care plan um to and booked in with the brand new psychologist next week to start another round of CBT and um, different therapy methods just to see if we can come out of this a, l a lull naturally because I've managed to come off all the different medications I've been on and since then different feelings come and go and it's not even at the moment it's not even feelings it's um, I can't concentrate as much as I normally would be able to and my memory's not as good and yesterday was brilliant but at the same time during the skydive it was brilliant but then I got down and very quickly I went back to my normal mode of not feeling that high and not feeling um as like I could see all the other people and the way they reacted and my reaction wasn't quite the same yeah wow um so it was a beautiful experience and I'm like but it was very peaceful but it wasn't the adrenaline rush and I know at the moment that I'm not quite at the level that I want to be at or that I have been at and I know is my 
the potential of where I live my best life. And so that's why it, I do. And I've been trying to put that off. And so I try to, I know I have to kind of suck it up and go, okay, time for the next round of different treatments to get back there, which I still struggle with admitting and going, oh, damn, okay, next time, like we've got to get on top of this. Um, it's, it's happening again. Because you always try to convince yourself it's not going to come back. It's not going to, everything's going to be fine. And I'm stronger now, but... Yeah, I kind of have to suck up my own advice sometimes and the, actually go make that doctor's appointment. One of the things I think about with um, with mental health is for myself. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert, you know, but I mean, to something that I learned along the way is I, I sort of look at mental health more like mental fitness, and I sort of think, you know, like how many kilometers did you run last week, and think, okay, do you maybe apply that same kind of discipline. To just your keeping your mind fit, you know, like oh, 100%, and, yeah. And you've got to, um, and and that's, I, I, I don't think you're never going to be. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've realized this, you know, I'm nearly 40 and um, I'm still pretty young, but you know, I've, I've done and made a few mistakes in my life and whatnot, but um, I've learned that you know, I'm never going to be perfect, I'm never going to be right, you know, 100% right, but and it's learning about how to manage that and how to, and how to constantly work at it and so um, oh yeah how to manage that but also not to accept less than you know you can be yes if that makes sense because a lot of people they go oh i'm never going to be right so it's okay where i'm at right now and sometimes you go well i'm never going to be perfect because there's there's not really such thing but that does shouldn't stop you from chasing your version of as close as per- perfect as you can be yeah um because too many people settle and go, oh, this is this is just where it sits for me. No, and I'm like, well, no, because I've been higher and I've been able to concentrate more and able to more motivated and I've been more able to get out of bed better in the morning and look after myself better. Um, and so just because this isn't as low as I have been doesn't mean it should stop me from chasing as high as I have been. That's fantastic. Um, a question I wanted to ask you, sort of going back to running a little bit, because I know yeah, that th- these things are kind of all tied together. Look, I, I loved, I think, talking about mental health is, I'll never, I'm not, don't want to cut that short because I think it's really important. But, um, yeah. um, but for me, and I know lots of people I, I run with, the running, the men, running is a big part of their mental health sort of training, you know, like they're, it's almost like the, the physical fitness is almost like a byproduct. It's, and it's the, the mental training and the, being able just to get out the door, even if it's only for five k's, you know, and just go for a jog, and just to clear the head. Like, how much does does running has that helped your your battles? Oh, running, running has been amazing. Running has like been the one constant throughout. So it, when I'm feeling really good and getting the best out of myself, there is no better feeling, and my fitness gets better. Um, I'm in so much better. I have so much more motivation when I've gotten out and I've gone for a run or I've trained in any way. Um, and it's sort of how I found my own strengths and how I found my power. Um, and it gives me the power to then work on the weaknesses and um, like r- races and that sort of thing. Like I suppose two days on the weekend, it highlighted my strengths, but it also highlighted a lot of weaknesses I've still got to work on. Um, especially mental ones Um, and there's nothing like pushing yourself whether it be in a race or just in training pushing yourself physically um, it really brings to the forefront all the 
um, mental things that the mental strengths and weaknesses it can highlight both it really does um, and I find it so valuable for that of going okay I was really strong that day um, and I pushed through a lot and I l- learned a lot and then other times going oh hang on I caved a little or this or my mind threw a thought at me that was really self-deprecating or really negative and learning to try and work on that um, can highlight things that otherwise wouldn't come to the forefront if you weren't physically active in any way yeah absolutely that's um that's how i I mean i sort of see it i i find that um you know i know you haven't done ultras yet but i think you get a pretty good idea of what goes into an ultra um in some of the big races that i've done i i find once all your you're stripped of all your energy and it, it sort of strips away all your ego and all your fake yeah bravado and all you've got left is your real sort of your real you and um and and so and you know because you've got no physical energy and so yeah you're either i think the the real battle is can you get can you push through that or do are you comfortable with that person that you are when you're in that deepest darkest part of a race and i mean i would say like a race is a metaphor for life you know it really hundred percent oh, running itself is yeah what you get at what you put in you get out and yeah all the like there's all it's a lot of the typical cliches and cliches are cliche because they're real and they're true a lot of the time that's it. Um, but yeah running and to be honest I've always found it through sport I've always been um, the sort of person that I was so energetic and stuff that I needed to get it all out and the one time I was in the moment was during sport and that's why I really don't uh, I, I learn a lot from the races where I can't put myself in the moment and I'm stuck in my own head and I'm stuck in my own body and just thinking mm. to way too much for what I should be because um, I know that you know, I can count on one hand. I think there's five races in my life where I know I got to that finish line having given absolutely everything I had on that day um, and I don't remember many of them. I don't remember like every kilometre and I don't remember all the um, – how I did it, I just remember that I got to that finish line and that was a, that was it. Um, so they, I know that not being in your body and not being that mentally aware, but then you have, bring, have an appreciation of the other races you have where you're like, hang on, no, this, this is proving to me that I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I find, do you, so those races that you said that you, where you, you know you're given 100%, were they the ones where you were the most present? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, I was in the moment, and yeah. because I was so in the moment, I don't remember. Like, I can't give you what this kilometre felt like and what this kilometre felt yeah. like. I can give you the whole race. Yes. Um, but I don't I, – I was so in the moment, and I know that I was so in the moment because you get to the finishing line, and you're like, well, how did that happen? Um, yeah. How did they get here? Um, it's um, interesting. I noticed on one of you – this sort of ties into what you were just saying um, – and I, I kind of agree with this. You put, did an Instagram post about um, what goes into a race, um, the mental, the, how to build a, 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 a race fire. Building a race fire. Yeah, yeah. I really, I like that, um, a lot of the analogies. Could you just go through that a little bit? Um, I can't remember it off um, the top of my head. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, so I love drawing analogies from different things in life, and I do that a lot while I'm running along and thinking up different things and I because of what I've been through and because um, I know the power of the mind (laughs) in the 
um, worst and the best way possible. I put a lot of um, effort into my mental, the mental side of my training and racing um, and the mental efforts that it takes. And so the, for the building a race fire, um, essentially you've got the fire and in, when building a fire, I say the foundation and the big wood fire blocks that you've got there, the mental attitude and the mindset that you bring to the training and you bring to the race. Um, so they're the goal setting, they're the um, how you mentally approach everything. Um, and then all the training sessions you do and all the physical work you do, that's the kindling. So they're the little sticks and the little um, bits of bark and stuff that you put in amongst and you put on top to, I suppose, start the fire off. And then um, the final race prep, so the last 24 hours and the how you approach race morning and the mental attitude and everything you have in race morning, I see as the newspaper. Yep. So that final aspect of what's going to take light and what's going to start the fire off. And then obviously the starter's gun, that's the match. So you can light the match. And I think I said in the post that um, you want to build a strong and long-lasting mental attitude. That's the big wood fire blocks. And however much kindling you've got, it, it just as long as it lights and as long as it takes hold, um, that's all you need, and then the don't wet the don't wet the newspaper by talking yourself down yeah. in the last twenty four hours because that's a crucial part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So using applying that philosophy to the race that you did over the weekend, how did it? Um, did you do it right? Um, I think I did in a way. Yeah, I did. The I knew that in comparison to where I have been, the mental. The mental side of things that I brought into the race wasn't as strong as I have been in the past just because I wasn't, I was feeling a little bit all over the place with how my thoughts were going and how I was concentrating. So, um, but at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't admitting that to myself or to anyone at the time. Um, I was kind of letting myself because be in denial and say, no, I'm fine. We're good. We're good. We're going, which before, like the one time that probably that's a really good thing is before a race of going, no, we're going to have a crack. No matter what this is, we're going to have a crack and I'm fine and not talking. That was the part of not talking myself down. So I was talking myself up more um, and trying to be the whole, no, you've got this, you, you, you can do this and you're powerful and you're able to. And um, then the training, my training had gone without a hitch, really. Um, it was just that it hadn't felt as good as it had in the past um, and I didn't take as much mental confidence from it. But as far as how I tried my best, and I've, I've actually learned a lot coming through it, yeah. um, of what I can do differently in the past, in the future. I wouldn't have done anything differently because otherwise I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I have. Um, so I have no regrets of anything that I, at the approach that I took to it. Um, but I suppose how I felt in the middle of that race highlighted differences that I can make um, going forward. Yeah. No, it's excellent. I, I love that you're very... Um you really are good at reflecting on what you've done. I suppose it's probably come from a lot of your recovery as well, but just, and then um, I think that's how the best way to live is you've got to be able to reflect on all aspects of your life so you don't keep... Well, yeah, if you can't reflect, you can't learn. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, um, but no, so the, um, before we move on to a, a different topic, I just, what's the, if you could give one piece of advice to to young girls or young, anybody about mental health, what would that be? Like with your, obviously, it's sort of you've got wisdom beyond your years in this aspect. So what would you give, um, what advice would you give? Um, it's 
suppose the biggest piece of advice is whether you believe it or not, like try to um, soak up as much of the it's, idea that it's not a weakness and it's and in doing so take that leap of faith of talking to just one other person or take the leap of faith of telling someone how telling a doctor or anyone you trust how bad it is or how you feel because chances are how you feel is how a lot of other people feel like we're never alone in the way we feel really um and that idea of um you the secrets just keep you bound um so being as open as possible and there's so much support and resources out there and people often they get especially young people they get caught in the idea of going i'm the only one that feels this way therefore there's something wrong with me but the only reason they feel like they're the only one is because no one's talking about it around them yeah um and so if they were to open up just to one other person or one other friend chances are they'll have a similar experience or they'll know someone else with a similar experience. And that first little spark of finding out, hang on, it's not just me, that can be so powerful. Um, so, the yeah, my biggest piece of advice is share as much as your mind will let you. Yeah, that's excellent advice, Simone. Um, I, yeah, I think a lot of people I, they should take a lot away from that. I, I um, Yeah, I love it. Um, so... Um, just looking forward now to your running for 2019. So, New Year, what sort of um, what are your goals for this year? Obviously, that you've mentioned already about the the track um, events with the steeplechase. Uh, so, what um, other yeah, things? so between now and March, it's all on the track. Really, I've got a couple of um, my favorite favorite trail event is um, in actually between states and nationals, which I'm a little bit annoyed about because it means I can't do um, a race called the Donna Double, which is up and down a mountain called Mount Donabuang. It's got a hell of a lot of up and a hell of a lot of down in a yeah. only 20k, um, and so that was actually where I um, that was my first ever proper trail race last year, and where I sort of started this whole trail journey. Um, but that's between states and national. So I'll be there and I'll be loving the weekends and I'll be, but I'll be racing in a flat and shorter race, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because that's in the middle of the, all my track training. You don't, um, you don't want to ruin your legs for the, um, yeah. It yeah. <laughs> doesn't quite work running up and down a mountain when I've still got track races to do, yeah. um, afterwards. But after that, I'll be tackling for the first time a race called the Buffalo Stampede 20 oh. kilometer. Um, I, I was there last absolute... year. I did. I did the seventy-five last year. So. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be doing the twenty k. It looks absolutely gnarly. It and is gnarly. Beautiful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I can't wait. To be honest, I'll be tackling that one straight off track training. So that's going to be fun. Um. Good experience there. <laughs> um. Because I think it's about a week after nationals on the track. You're something um, like that. The twenty k. I think is just an out and back. Um. Of the same, I know the section. You, you've only got a couple of hills in the race, but they're just big hills. <laughs> they're just massive, yeah. yeah. I can't remember exactly how much climb, but I look at it and it's just steep and looks so, like fun. Um, so yeah, I'll be doing that to sort of launch myself back into the trails. Um, but then after that, it'll be UTA. Um, I'll be doing the 22 again and yep. trying to um, go for a go for it again there and have a bit of a. a more of a crack at it than last year being my first time last year and 
very new to the trail, so this time have a bit more of an experienced crack at UTA 22. Excellent. Um, and I suppose in the middle, that that's about when the cross-country season starts. So I love, absolutely love the Pacific XCR season. Yeah. Um, it's a combination of cross-country and road races, and there's relays and all sorts. And I suppose that's where I often have the most fun and the very humbling experiences of having your ass absolutely handed to you while you're dying to come like I think I'm just yet to break into the top 10 at the cross country and I'm really really trying um my, and then the roads um season follows on from that um and the um I kind of don't know how the second half of the year is going to go because I'm still waiting to hear when um and where Australian mountain running championships are oh. um because the World Mountain Running Championships aren't until November. Yep. Um, so obviously my kind of my main, main aim for the year is to qualify for World Mountain Running Championships again. Um, but because the worlds are so late, um, I think we're assuming that Australian mountains are going to be a bit later. Possibly August um, was the month that has been thrown out so far, but we're not, like, there's nothing set in stone there. Um, so I kind of just have my year put out until UTA um, and good. after that it's figuring out when Oz Mountains are and hopefully getting on the training train for um, World Mountains in November which is in Argentina so Patagonia oh that'd be amazing so um, oh will it ever yeah did I um, we, when the Australian Mountain Running Championships they were here in Adelaide two years ago I think um, on um, on Black Hill, which is where I, I live, right next to Black Hill, which is a beautiful... Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's really lucky. I'm only like one and a half k's from the nearest, tr from the trail. So I love it. I run I run along the road. That's my warm-up. And then I'm, boom, yep. up on the hills. Oh, and perfect. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. But um, yeah, they did that. They were here and um, it was really good. We had, there's a lot of people in it. And I, I ran quite well. You, so you weren't here for that two years ago? Um, or was that was last no. year? No, one. the first mountain race, so the first time I rocked up, I did, uh, the only time I've done Oz Mountains was last year. Oh. Um, that was actually, so the first trail race I did really was um, Donna Double, which was in March last year. And because I won that, like my entire yep. year changed just off that race. Oh, really? Because um, then Tim kind of chucked out at me. He's like, well, Oz Mountain Champs are in a month in Tasmania. Do you want to go? Huh. <laughs> and he literally messaged me that that night after that race. Yeah. Um. And they were a month later, so I put in like a crazy four weeks of training and rocked up down at Oz Mountains in uh Tassie last year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that I was that was my first proper well actual mountain mountain race of and what it was did you advertised win? as. Did you? What did you? Where did you come in the Australian ones? Yeah, I won, I won the Oz Mountains, um, and awesome. so that's what got me onto the World Mountains team last year in Andorra. That's amazing. Um, and what was it like over in Andorra? Oh, <laughs> amazing. We do not have mountains like that in Australia. We totally don't. No. Um, and it was, yeah, it was so, so beautiful. Such an amazing experience of just being there and um, having like all the opening ceremony in all the different countries and meeting a lot of different people um, and running on mountains that we have nothing like here. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, 
Yeah, how did you, how did you go over there? Like, was obviously it would have been quite a tough race. Um, oh yeah, we, it was like kind of up ski slopes, and yeah, it was. I think it was eleven and a bit k with about one thousand two hundred to one thousand three hundred gain. Um, yeah, it's but the middle the middle kind of five k only had a net one hundred meters up. Um, which can give you an indication of how steep the first and the last part were. Yeah. <laughs> ah, um, insane. So, yeah, it was, jeez, oh, that was an experience. <laughs> um, what what country usually do well at that? that it's like the Italian. I know the Italians do quite well. Um, uh, yeah, the Italians. I think um, there was only one Ugandan in my race, but over the other, all the other um, races, the men's and the juniors and everything. Uganda did amazing. Oh, wow. um, Kenya won the teams on my race, and there was a Kenyan that won. Um, and France, France did France. T- I'm pretty sure it's usually like typically France, Italy, the UK, and Ireland. Like they kind of, the UK does yeah. well. Um, so Britain. Oh wow. And yeah. Um, then yeah, then you've got the Kenyans and Ugandans that do very well, typically as well. It's hard for um, us poor Australians because, as you say, we don't have those mountains. Um, unless even if you lived in the Alps here, like in Victoria, and just and trained, or if you lived in Bright, for example, and trained up and down those hills, it's probably still not enough, you know, because you don't have the actual. Altitude. Yeah, it's just they're just different. It's very different terrain, and I suppose the race started at the height of Falls Creek or above, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so it kind of started there and just went up and up and up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it, like, I obviously, there, there are obviously ways to do it, um, great ways to do it, and I did a lot of altitude training in the lead-up and that sort of thing, um, and having been there before now and experienced what it's like, you obviously gain a lot of valuable experience that you can take into the next time and hopefully, and... Um, Take, yeah, take him to the next time and adapt things. Um, so, yeah, there, there's ways, but definitely I was sort of standing on the start line and when I first arrived at the uh, place and I was like, we're at a height, we're running to a height that's higher than anywhere on Australia, yeah. on mountains that you don't see anywhere in Australia. Um, and I was like, I feel like I'm a little bit disadvantaged by country at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have a crack. <laughs> I think it's a, you're not the first Australian to think that, I think. Um yeah. So, um, but still, it sounds like you did amazingly well, and um, I'd love to see you go there again. And so, I know with the Australian Mountain Running Championships, they frequently are held in um, in Canberra quite often. Cause I think yeah. The guy that the organizer, he might live in Canberra. I'm not sure. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, to Shane, I'd love if they came back this way. I'd like to compete again because um, I think I'd probably do okay in my in the, in the over. Well, this year, I'd be in the over forties category. And um, the oh, yeah. and so I um well based on my time was it last when I was here two years ago I think I came in the top five in my um in my age group and so I was up I was I think I came like twelfth overall in the men's but um oh, good stuff you should come wherever it is you should come have a crack I'd love to I I actually absolutely would love to it's I've um I love the ultras but I I do feel like the shorter steeper races are, are more um, my speciality because I oh they're so I, painful but painful but fun they're good you can just you know you got you just thrash yourself like on the weekend there was a race here um at Cle- the uh, ultra runners SA at Cleveland um it was part of the summer series and um yeah. and I um you should come and do that one year it's great and um 
we had um it was anyway he's got four races um and yeah the one on the weekend it was beautiful beautiful and we had it was a really cool morning so it was like perfect conditions and it was only 16 k's and i was running really well and six k's in i rolled my ankle and uh and it popped and ah. and so i'm out of action for a little bit and it was i had to, i stopped i was in i was i was doing really i was having the race of my the best race I've had in ages, you know. It felt fantastic. Yeah. And um, damn, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like, it's a it takes one thing. Does it's a, luckily it wasn't. There was no broken bones. I thought I broke it at first, but it, just a oh, bad damn. bad sprain. I got it scanned, and um, so it's a relief. And so now I'm just. Well, fingers crossed, it recovers smoothly. I know, <laughs> but you got to deal with these sorts. Of, you just got to sort of let it go. Like make oh, like yeah. make like Elsa and just do all the right therapy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm currently icing my uh, ankle that got caught under a root at two bays on the weekend. But oh yeah. Thankfully, with the, all the different trainings I do, I've developed a lot stronger ankles than I used to have. Oh, it's good. So yeah, um, it's amazing. So I, I want to go back to just one more quick. I've got a couple more things I want to ask you before we finish yeah. off. Um, after you was it after the Australian Mountain Running Championships? Were you picked up by um, your sponsor, Salomon, then, or...? No, so that's the other interesting part. The first race that I did, that Donna Double, um, yep. the reason, well, one of the reasons I did it, A, it was a week after States on the track, and so it was kind of like I'd put in a good um, training block on the track to get to States, and I wanted something fun to do, um, and uh, something exciting to look forward to afterwards. Um, that And Solomon were putting up, uh, so they were looking for another young gun runner um, in for their squad, for their to, for the sponsorship. And um, so the, actually the prize for the first um, female to uh, over the line in that race that was under 25 yeah. um, won a sponsorship, uh, subjected to all the terms and conditions and stuff, like they could pick to say yes or no. Yeah. Um, the um yeah so the first female over the line that was it was meant to be the first female under 25 yeah. and thankfully I was the first female overall so that worked <laughs> um but I actually yeah was blessed enough to win that um essentially in the in that first race that's so <laughs> um, good yeah. yeah yeah so I actually yeah they got them there last March and they have been a huge blessing that has enabled me to um essentially do what I do in a way of having like because I still study full-time and um yeah, trying to right. fit all that in yeah. um so yeah you don't like as much as running can be a very cheap sport when you're really pushing your limits um it's not <laughs> not necessarily yeah it's not um, that cheap anymore. and to be fair yeah. just having their support has been a huge confidence boost and it's a great like the environment in the um Solomon family in Australia is great whenever I can go visit them and I'll get all these messages of support after races and before races and it's it's a great confidence boost and such a blessing it really is oh, that's so good yeah I wondered how that how you ended up with them and like and because I know you're obviously you're fairly new to the scene but you're you make you're making waves and you just you, you got the win at the right time to get that sponsorship and hopefully that you stick with them um when you came out for the um when you were doing the find the van tour that was, yeah the Adelaide tour yeah yeah that was great obviously you've got a lot of fans here in Adelaide and um they'll all be stoked to hear our conversation I hope um and so oh, Adelaide uh, was brilliant I, that was the first time I've been in Adelaide that was amazing yeah. the trails you guys have there 
are insane. Oh. And the the community that was yeah, yeah. beautiful. You you should come back for an uh, an event here. Like this. Oh well, funnily enough, my best friend is moving to Adelaide this weekend, and so oh. I will. I have a spare room in her house already organised. Well, so I should are, hopefully be coming to visit as often as I can. There's a lot of um. Oh, in the winter you've got the uh, trail running SA races, which are um they're all. I think the longest one is 30 kilometres, and most of them are, they've got three, they do a whole bunch of races all around, really di- really different. There's a really good one that you'd like here, it's called Mount Misery. Um, it's, oh. and it, I think that it's a 25, the, hard, the longest distance is a 25k, um, and I think it's about 1,000 metres elevation in 25k, so it's... Sounds it's, beautiful. And it's, it's really pretty, and there's a lot of, it's on a lot of um, mountain bike tracks and stuff, and stuff like that and so it's pretty nice some pretty nice single track and some steep ups and downs and yeah it is nice Adelaide is really nice in the, the winter and like the trails here yeah there's so many pretty much every episode uh. of this podcast I have probably I, people who listen to the podcast frequently know that I go on a, a spiel about how much I love the trails here it's like but I've been <laughs> I've, I've been living here for like five years and I still can't believe I live so close to such beautiful trails I think people, yeah. in, people in Adelaide don't realise how good it is until they go and live somewhere where there aren't easy access to trails, you know? Like, um, anyway, I could talk all day about how much I love the trails here. <laughs> oh, I could, I could see why. Just from the little taste I had, they were beautiful. Yeah, oh, good. Well, next time you come back, we'll, we'll all have to go on, a, big, on, a, on a, a bit of an explore of Adelaide's finest trails and hills. Oh, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon. That sounds perfect. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um... So to finish off, because I will have to go and uh, I have to go and get my children shortly, and um, <laughs> so got it. It's been so good talking to you, and um, I, I usually what I do is finish off usually with a fast, a thing called a fast five, like a fast five yeah, k cool. race. So I'm going to ask you five questions, and um, sort of short answers as best you, as quick as you can. Um, so um, and for people who listen. To the podcast on a regular basis i've had the same five questions that i ask everyone well because it's a new year i'm asking i've got five completely new questions so you're the first person Ooh, to get this yay. lot so there's so brace yourself um okay so it's like it's like park run it's just five kilometers five questions okay okay, okay. question one if you could go for a run with any celebrity living or dead who would it be Jeez, they don't even have to be a runner. It doesn't have to be a runner? No. And, but it has to be a celebrity. Someone famous for something. They, they can be celebrity in, in your world. It's open to interpretation. Um, <laughs> oh, to be honest, I'd probably go... <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, but I love my Stoic philosophy, so I'd actually go Epictetus. Oh, Wow. Don't know who who is that? He's a Stoic philosopher. Yes. from a long time ago, and I've uh, I, one of the things I do is I listen to some Stoic philosophy every day, and I absolutely love all his work and his insights into life. Oh, so wow. hit him up if you're looking for philosophy. So say his name one more time. Epictetus. Epictetus. Okay, I'll look it up. And look, everyone gets philosophical on training runs, so why not run with a philosopher? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If, if you run with someone long enough, you know everything about them. So, um, yeah. Okay. Question two. This is not a question, actually. It's um, a sentence that I want you to finish. 
So, okay. Okay, five years from now, I want to be... My true self. That's about all I can be. Good. I like it. Okay, this one's not quite as deep. Um, what is your favourite... Question three, what is your favourite type of workout? To be honest, nothing nothing beats track Mondays. So we the, with the crew. Track Mondays. So any track Mondays with the Crosby crew. Nice. Um, lots of lots of speed. <laughs> yeah, so speed. It'll be speed intervals, four hundreds or DC. Uh, probably one of my favourites is descending reps. So like every rep gets shorter and shorter. Yes, I actually like that. I, I do them for time sometimes, and sometimes I do them for distance, and. Um, it's a good feeling because, you know, once you get past, like, the, the first one, it's just going to get shorter and shorter. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Shorter but faster. Yeah. Shorter it, at least. <laughs> it doesn't seem easier, though, when you get to the end of it. It just hurts just as much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Question four is, what is your favourite post-race drink? Favourite post-race drink? Um, kombucha. I love, kombucha. I, I, I love kombucha of all kinds. <laughs> well, there you go. I have a confession. I've never tried kombucha you should give it a crack it's beautiful and right. lovely I'm, i will have to eventually i'm just a bit old-fashioned <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i'm resistant to change no i'm not really <laughs> um question five is okay it's a great debate topic headphones or no headphones when you're running oh uh I have to say both. I love different different moods and different situations. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Bonus question then. What do you listen to? Um, I I listen to a lot of podcasts actually, especially on easy runs. And then if I'm doing a solo tempo, yeah. um, I have one playlist that I've been playing for a solid two years, I reckon, and it's just got a few of my favourite pump up songs. Awesome. Um. I, I do a very similar thing, actually. I listen to music on my, uh, on my tempo runs, but and I, I deliberately pick ones with the... You know, I don't know, I use Spotify, and I've got the... Um, oh, the right beats? The, the right, right number of beats per minute? Yeah, and just enough to get you at that right tempo, and it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, but on, the long, on my long, slow runs, when I'm going out to do a 30K Sunday run, I'll, I'll find a, a long-form podcast to listen to. Believe it or not, I don't just listen to my own podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's plenty, there's plenty of good ones out there, but yeah. no, yours is a good one. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, the Science of Ultra, have you heard that one? I have, I have. Yeah. Another good one, yes. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's, um, I think that's, I've covered all the topics that I want to, um, I've, would wanted to ask you and there's probably more we could talk about and i really appreciate your um your time and your and your honesty in all this i think that um really especially talking about mental health i think it's super important and I'm, it's something that I, I, I want to get right behind and i i think that um yeah I don't, you're I, more I, than I, welcome it's been a pleasure yeah i don't want to say that you're brave because <laughs> i want because i want to normalize it Exactly. That's yeah. the that's the thing. When people say it's brave, I'm like, no, this should yeah. be normal. Shouldn't yeah. have to take bravery. But yeah, no, I commend you. Um, and so and and I, I look forward to hearing how you are, how you go this year. Um, there's a very small chance still. I might actually be in Buffalo again this year. I I um.
we want it, we were hoping to get over there, my wife and I. Oh, perfect. That'd yeah. be good. That'd be great. Yeah, if I if I am, I'll let you know. But um, yeah. Like last year's Buffalo was a uh, was brutal, but I actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I was there last year. Oh, <laughs> you were there. Had, yeah. Yeah, I was there crewing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Were you crewing for Lucy? No, no. I was crewing for another another couple. I essentially just met them, but a few of the Arthur C. Trail Runners. Oh. epic bunch of people that have just welcomed me with open arms and yeah. helped me out heaps so I was crewing for Mick and Jules was kind oh. of I was kind of just being tagged along because I had no idea what I was doing at the time but I was more than happy to cheer so fun <laughs> it got so cold and I um oh it was yeah. it was absolutely freezing I finished 35th in the 75k and I um oh, nice I'm, it was uh, at, the, at the end of the day I just didn't care I just wanted to I, once I got through and I knew that I wasn't going to get stopped by um the because the race had been called off. The race got called off. Yeah, yeah I, I made. I was pretty stoked just to get finished and um. Yeah. And I've I've never been so muddy and so cold and so wet, but so. Yeah, happy. you did well in those conditions. Yeah, because I was scared because I actually ran the last fifty something k's of Alpine Challenge, um last year, and so I got a little bit of a taste of that. And geez, I had even more respect for you guys that ran the seventy five k. Yeah, no, that was brutal. But no, it's fun. That's what we do it for. The challenge. <laughs> yeah alright I'm going to um, you can say goodbye to the podcast um, and um, so thank you Simone Brick the, <laughs> thank you the flying brick oh before you go they, people, yeah. where can people find you on the um, on the social medias um, so I'm fly, flying underscore brick 13 on um, Instagram and then I do have a I essentially just have a Facebook that's linked to that Instagram, so a lot of the posts from Insta um, end up on my Facebook athlete page. Awesome. But it's more more Instagram, just flying underscore brick thirteen. I haven't figured out any other social media thing. So <laughs> no, Instagram's great. I need I, I um yeah I love what you're doing on Instagram and I it's yeah it's fantastic and it's probably you've probably got one of the best handles. Flying brick. Yeah, to so be honest, it's, it's about all I can. <laughs> Instagram's all I can do, so I'm I'm not putting myself up anywhere else. Flying brick. It makes you sound like a footballer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually because the first, the one of the tra- trail race, uh, it's a trail race, but it was all on gravel and it's flat and it's absolutely beautiful and a brilliant event called um the Sunset Bellerin Sunset Run, um but it's sponsored by Flying Brick Cider. Really. Um, yeah, so I was running along and my coach, Tim, was actually the commentator and so you can, I was crossing the line and Tash Brazer won but I came second and I was crossing the line and you just hear Tim go and here comes the real flying brick across the line and wow. obviously there's flying brick posters everywhere and so since then I've been the flying brick. Have you got a sponsorship deal with them? Surely. Surely. <laughs> well, I don't actually drink so I don't know how well that would work because uh, they made a hypocrisy, apple cider vinegar or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A kombucha. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. be all for that. Yeah. All right, I'm going to uh, we'll end the podcast here. Thank you, Simone. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Simone. She certainly is a talented runner and equally insightful. Don't forget to go and follow her on Instagram at flying underscore brick 13. She has lots of great photos and she shares so much of her life on there. Um, I think you'll learn stuff and you'll probably get a little bit jealous because she travels quite a lot. So in today's episode, Simone and I talked at length about mental health issues. 
Mental illness is not something to be ashamed of. I'm not a psychologist, but I can tell you that mental illness can be treated in a number of ways and we shouldn't try and hide it. We should normalise it. If you feel like you need help, seek it out. If you see a friend in need, offer your support. There's heaps of support networks out there and organisations that can help you. For example, you go to beyondblue.org.au and click on the Get Support tab and get started from there. Sometimes the first step is the hardest. Sometimes simply going for a run is just not enough. So anyway, I hope that helps you guys. Until next week, take care of yourselves and each other. And happy running.